Uh, just adjusting my volume here. How you doing? Good, good, good. It's day three of President's Week off from school, so uh, we're surviving. We're surviving. Right, um, because you have a child. I have a child. I have a yeah. child. Congrats. Congrats Thanks. on your kid. We, yeah, we worked hard on it. Is he yeah. four yet? He's four. Yeah, right? he's four. He turned four during Thanksgiving, right around. Nice. Um, yeah, I have a child too. He's three and a half. And uh, yeah, basically, how did you get away for the minute to do this call? He is upstairs having quiet time. So he is playing with toys and I am downstairs talking to you. Basically. All right. I'm, uh, I'm actually envious. How do you enforce quiet time? How do you... I, say, I say it's quiet time now. <laughs> so you just say, when did that start? When did he like start just without TV? He's just like in some room playing with toys and whatever, reading and stuff? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically oh. that started this week um, because... <laughs> because you needed quiet time. Because I needed quiet time. So it's very much, I mean, I think he realizes yeah. it's not about him. It's about me. I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly turning to him and going like, I've done... Uh, everything you could want from me today, I, I now yeah. need, I now need to go to the woods and yell, and you, you need to protect to, yourself. You knew, uh you took him to church. <laughs> I did. I took him to church today. That was the creepiest thing ever. Yeah, Dude. I took him. I took him to see a movie at this great movie theater yesterday, and then he, oh. um, as we were crossing the street, like we don't go to church. We never talk about church. It, it's not even a thing that like I had to actually kind of explain to him today what church even was. It was very strange yesterday. As we're crossing the street, he was like, Dada, tomorrow I want to go to church. And I was just like, wait, what? He was like, we're going to go to church tomorrow, Dada. And I was just like, do you know what church is? He's like, we're going to go. And And you're not just for everyone. You're not a regular. You're not a church goer, I guess. I mean, maybe you're raised Catholic, but like everybody, you're lapsed. Yeah. Yeah. Super lapsed Catholic. (laughs) Like, don't don't go. Haven't been in years. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I just immediately thought I was in the omen. I was just like, this kid's like possessed or something. It's just in his bones. Yeah. Adherence to, so. to pagan gods. That's good. Yeah. So we went to a really beautiful church today. The, the bishop seat, the New York bishop, archbishop seat today. So In the cap. Is it in Albany? Yeah, it's Albany. It's really stunning. Nice. Uh, it's really stunning church. So we went there. He tried to play the drums on the pews. And then when he realized that that's not what you do at church, he wanted to leave. So we were there about seven minutes. <laughs> was he... Um... But so it basically was inspired by going to like an old theater to see a movie. He was like, I want to go to something similar. Like, is that we had, we weren't, we weren't even in the theater. I have no idea. Weird. Impetus to go to church. Cause I kept asking him, I'm like, which of your classmates brought up? He was like, nobody. Nobody. Where where did you even hear about church? And he just like shrugs. Like, I don't know. The hand of God. The hand of God touched me. Yeah, I guess so. Oh my. uh, Yeah. I mean, in trying to arrange this uh, call, you and I have been like, back and forth about like because basically it's, it's midwinter break so i thought it would be a good expression about this new uh, episode about like finding the time to uh to get creative space in you know yeah time time is time a, time is a big one because we're all yeah you know we live in this really amazing future where like you know your car is a taxi and your house is an apartment is also like your own your house is an apartment and your apartment's <laughs> a planet yeah, yeah. We're basically you're working nonstop, you know. Like, yeah. uh, I love it that it's called the gig economy as a. Yeah, we're all yeah we're all enslaved by like bits <laughs> of money at a time, basically. Yeah, people have to realize if you're listening to this because and it's important is like 
side hustle was invented by people who wanted you to work to death. Like the, the <laughs> word side hustle. Yeah. I love when people are like, I got my side hustle. And they're really not that you shouldn't be proud of working hard, but yeah. you shouldn't have to work, you know, 22 hours a day to survive. That's insanity. Yes. So, that's my own little bitch. Right. Moment. But in that, in that space, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad now, and a lot of it uh, between my wife and I is just juggling time. We, we sort of got into the game of – we got into, like, the child care sitter game because we basically moved back across the country from L.A. to New York at a time when he was – how old was he at the time? He was, like, just bef- – it was just after he turned two. So we had, like, a little bit of sitter help at that – like, six, literally six hours a week just to take a breath and, like, you know – uh decompressed uh with my face down on a bed um so basically we uh came here and then we're late to the preschool game so we kind of never got ahead of it you've had a little more like daycare earlier in in Eamon's life yeah no he's he's, son sorry it's all right uh, he's been he's been in he's been in daycare um you know since he was like two and he's in pre-k right now so right his day structured right so I um so I've I mean, but no, nonetheless, you have, you're always juggling a million projects. You are a full-time parent also, as is your wife, who's also got multiple projects going on. So you're both two creative people, you know, working, but the, the, what I find the top, the hard part I find about my life now is just carving out time and carve and feeling it's okay to, this could be about my own neuroses and me feeling like I'm not good enough, but like just asking for the time to just sit down and not even write, but just like think about something that is not juggling uh childcare or, you know, I mean, or even just to prep on audition size, even that, you know, that's a little different because that feels like professional work that everyone understands. Uh, my wife certainly, but if I just need like an hour and a half to just like sit at a cafe and think and maybe jot down some ideas or actually just write on the script, that feels like such a, I have to ask like permission and I feel bad about it. Um, not that my wife gives me grief over it. It's just because it's just free space. That's not monetized. So like what, what right do I have to ask for that Liberty? You know, it's, it's, it's tricky right now, honestly. Yeah. But that's a self-definition thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, oh yeah. This is more it about doesn't, me. Probably. It doesn't, it, I mean, that's also the level of like, I, I, am I making money from this enough to call it a job to really earn, you know, like to really earn the opportunity to sit here and let these thoughts gestate and have yeah. this time to plan, you know, like that, that's a wrestling match. I think everybody kind of goes through is even for this um, phone call. I feel like you were like trying to be like, okay, I'll get like a Paw Patrol on and I'll be like, all right, we'll coordinate it with Jack watching frozen Two. And then we'll able to like duck into our rooms, hide and talk and record it and make a dollar fifty nine, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, I guess like your process, is maybe you have a little more history with this because you've been a writer for a longer period of time. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, writing is definitely, I think, irritating. Um, I've already said that on this podcast a lot. Like, it's really it's a it's a frustrating thing because it takes it takes a lot of time. Right. And it takes moments like you're talking about where it's like, I'm just going to sit at. A cafe and I might I mean the frustrating part is like you can go through days where you're like I didn't I don't feel I haven't physically accomplished anything 
right? Like yeah. I have no pages. I have no words written down. I've been thinking about it and it's getting more clear, but I have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. But I do think like when you talk about auditioning, I think not only that it's acknowledged, I think there's just something different in like, there's a total setup for how the thing operates, right? It's like on Monday, I'm going to get sides. Those are actual things that are written down on a page and there's things I can do with it. I memorize it. I play with what I'm going to do with it. And three days later or a week later, I go to a room and I present them. Mm-hmm. right like where with a with writing it's like well i'm starting this on tuesday i might finish the screenplay in a month i might finish it in three months i might finish it in a year i might realize this was all bullshit and put it in my like desk and never return to it again mm-hmm. like you're kind of i think with writing you're always the endeavor is always that like there's no structure right to like oh i'm gonna do this in in three weeks unless you have a hard deadline or someone's already paying you to do it yeah. you never really we have a structure it's all just kind of leap of faith totally um which i think can be can be what stops people all the time i think one of the things i hear the most from either students or other creatives especially if they're shifting like if they've been actors and they're moving into writing is that like i'll hear like i just how do you find the time for this or how much time my favorite is when people are like how much time does it take it's like <laughs> yeah oh, fuck. oh man like, yeah good luck. I mean, yeah I, who knows i mean it's different for everybody as you say, this is funny. Like my wife's approaching because she picked him up from this little day camp we sent him to today just to get some time. And uh, he's like screaming on the street. So like uh, just be prepared for a two minute gap where I go and like pacify the situation. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's OK. Well, I don't know. It's probably not OK, but uh, I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I feel that struggle. I will say before, I mean adherence to deadlines has always been a, an important thing just sort of in the micro of like finishing work day by day like in the kind of micro uh task sure. setting you have to do for yourself i think deadlines have always been helpful uh whether it's arbitrary the good thing we've had with each other is with little arc i feel like we are kind of on each other as far as well, okay so like by the 15th of february we should have a new draft of this screenplay that right. we've been talking about by may 1st we want to get out this other short film that we've made so just having another person it's like i think couples like to diet at the same time because you have someone else to be accountable with and maybe fail with but it's you know having someone else like a personal trainer is, is sort of a whack example i guess because uh, it's not super I mean, yeah you're just you're just talking about accountability just accountability um, yeah other other otherwise you have to kind of create uh discipline you know like i would say you know for people who are having trouble with time um you know because writing acting everything we're talking about is like your your own small business right like no one's really standing over you i guess if you're an actor maybe your agent is but i know as a and i don't even know if that's true but like i know as a writer like you're you're making your own deadlines because even when people ask it's rare that people give you a deadline yeah when you're a lot of times you're getting asked like how soon do you think you can have that 100 percent. um i know for me a big thing that's helped me a lot is um is I just make daily lists like tasks right you've always been a big, week, like, weekly list in, guy. yeah yeah week weekly and daily I just make like okay this week this is what I'm gonna accomplish this is the short story or the comic or whatnot I'm gonna finish and day by day I'll break the list down so that I'm kind of and I mean honestly that's a it's a trick it's an accountability trick because I have to cross shit off yeah. You know, and so if I go and I look at the list and I'm like, I had a, 10 things on here and I've crossed off one. I'm like, all right, I failed myself today. <laughs> right. I should, well, it's also just like making it visual is, is a concrete, yeah. it just sort of makes a concrete representation of something that's in your, in yourself, uh, just like writing yeah. it down. I mean, I think that's really helpful. Like just the tool 
just writing the list down for sure. Yeah, and it sounds so obvious. Yeah, but like if you even think about it, like how many times do we have to hear fucking stories about like celebrities who like when I was thirteen, I wrote myself a million dollar check right, and dated right. it twenty years later. Mm-hmm. And people always take that as like like Oprah will have them on and be like that's fate, and it's like no, that's just a plan with a schedule. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's right. an, it's again it's an exercise in accountability. Is like mm-hmm. if you buy into it, like if you actually are believing, I need to make a million dollars by that age. Not that everyone's gonna fucking succeed at it, but yeah, it at least keeps it in your brain where you're like, okay, I need to. I I've said I'm gonna do this at least to myself, if no one else. So like, yeah. I, I have to work towards it. So I do think in like actually writing things as as childish as it kind of seems is better than just walking around and going like, yeah, I'm going to write a play sometime. I'm, at some point I'm going to have the time to write a play as opposed to putting it on paper, like this week, five pages play. Definitely. I also think, and I, you know, this, this people have talked about this a lot. I really, and you probably, you do too. I think talking about things that you're working on so much really does get in the way of making it and finishing it. Um, it's not something that's on my mind a lot now, but starting out, you know, I, I, I've, I've been around a lot of people who are big idea people and like will pitch me verbally like a huge thing that they've thought through the entire time, but never put pen to paper on it. Uh, and it never happens, you know? Yeah. And like the more you discuss this amazing idea, even like a fully thought out story, the, I feel like the more it, the more it already exists in the world and then you feel less need to actually produce it or, or write it, put it down. Don't you think so? I'm learning this with students. Like, don't you think part of that though is like some weird um, obsession with either perfection or getting it right? That like, if I talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and work out all the details, then then at some point I will feel safe and protected enough to write it because it won't be bad. Yep, exactly. You know what I mean, but the problem is, is like, I think that like there's an animal part of you that knows that everything you do is going to be imperfect. Yeah. And so like, and so like, if what you're trying to do is trick your entire being into like, at some point, I'm going to talk myself into this by just talking it out. Mm. I just think there's another part of your brain that's like, dummy, like, no, it's never going to be, it's never going to be that good. So it's a different, like, right? It's a different thing where like, I guess me and you talk out stories, um, because I guess that's part because we're both in the act of making the thing. It's different than like if I just tell some random a good friend of mine who's not related to the the manifestation of the project, if I talk to them about it in a fully formed way, it sort of finds, I find it impedes, impedes the process, you know? I think so. And also I don't see how you, I don't know, maybe I'm just insecure, but I don't see how you wouldn't be completely like uh, susceptible to their response. So if you're like, yeah, "Yeah, this is really funny. This guy goes in and they don't laugh at all. I'd be like, I guess my idea is fucking bad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And like, I know people say like, well, pitch, pitch your idea. And if you don't get laughs from 10 people, maybe it's not a good idea. Well, maybe it's just not for me. <laughs> Who says that? Well, I think it was like from that book, um, Save the Cat, which I read early on. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like in, uh, Save the Cat is a kind of a, Some a screenplay how-to, you know, that kind of breaks it down into like, right to the formula. Like there's a very basic formula to make a successful movie. It seems like a very like kind of 90s thing. I, a lot of good stuff in there, but, you know, wasn't as was super useful to me, you know. Um, I will say, like, now being a, a dad, when, you know, and, and you feel this too, whether you have a lot more time or less time in a week, when you have that time, like, even if it is 
45 minutes or like an hour to just like sit, sit in a room. It's very, it's much more productive. I found, you know, like if you have that, like I've been more productive as a parent, I feel like than than really I have before in my life because I have to make my free time valuable, you know? Right. Yeah. You can't really fuck around. You can't, right? like you can't. And, and again, it goes to the account. I think some levels of accountability, right? Because you're like, I only have this hour. So if I am going to write, I really have to believe that this is going to be a finished project. Like I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do half starts or maybe I'll do this one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. I feel like I, everything I've kind of started now since I've been a parent, I finished, which yeah. is interesting where I feel like I had the liberty to really uh, experiment more before before being a dad but now i mean totally i mean grad school i went to grad school for playwriting like it's funny i have so many unfinished plays from grad school because like it was just three years of time yeah and so like i wrote some things i really liked during during it but way more things that it was like yeah i got like 50 pages into this thing and just like threw it out or i decided just like fuck around and write like a samuel beckett homage one semester and it's like i could never do that now right right Right. Which is good. I guess it, I mean, that's the point of, uh, you know, education and institutions that let you just like play and experiment. Sometimes I wonder the, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know though. Right. Coming out of that, how do you feel? Do you feel like that was helpful or like just kind of threw you off I the mean, path? No, it wasn't that helpful. Right. Um, I think what grad school was helpful for was at least for me, I had been primarily an actor and it was really fascinating to be in a place especially at Iowa where the writing program was just so valued where yeah. like people were treating me seriously as a writer. And so I was like, Oh, I guess I am a writer. Cause right. everyone else is behaving like I'm a writer. Right. Right. Where when I was in New York and I was acting and I was, you know, acting and stuff. And I, you know, I don't know if you did it the same way as me, but there'd be times, you know, I'd be like understudying at the Pearl. Yeah. And, and I was like working on a play. And then what, what I would do is like, I would try and get a couple of the other understudies to read it. And I would just, and I'd be apologetic the whole time of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know mm. if it's good, but yeah, I didn't see myself really as a writer. It just was kind of like, Oh, these people do favors for me for this bullshit. I wrote. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Where in grad school, it was like, no, this entire evening or like there's a full production that's being put together for my play. Like, yeah, it's being, and everyone's valuing it as if it's like, you know, we were doing Tony Kushner. Yep. I get know. it. So on the acting just... side with me, I feel when I, uh, I don't know what it was. I mean, it calls to just be a pure biological imperative to like really step up your game. But when I, the last, I think year and a half, I've kind of it's just, on, just on the kind of level of like acting prep, I've really invested more in prepping for auditions, like for on screen stuff where like I have a proper light and like, tripod and blue screen and like the whole deal was really like probably like 150 bucks investment which is like virtually nothing in a long span of a career like it's less than headshots like much less did but you it, do that because you thought it would make you better or did you do that because the industry is just changing and they're forcing you to well be casting director both well that that's both yeah i mean yeah this is we'll, we'll stay in the micro for now because i want to get to the macro of like showing sure. out production but yeah it is part of it it's part of the industry standard now because when you're sending tapes you can't just kind of do it on like your iphone off of a, a white wall with like sunlight hopefully you know 
gleaning. Yeah, I'm probably not saying gleaning right. Oh, yeah, you, you sort of like lit hopefully by like some sunlight from the window and like a lamp. No, you kind of have to get more serious about the way it looks now. We have uh, like a nice ring light and, you know, a couple of um, like a proper little mic that was like $10. Um, your mic, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to find a television show for my son. He's snuck in here very quiet. He's, he's oh, perfect. Very, yeah. You know? So you, what you nice. might be hearing is me just blowing or whispering to him. Do you want to watch BB Bears or Pete the Cat? Like that's fine. That's um, what's Pete the Cat's good. I like Pete the Cat. Yeah, Pete the Cat's really good. He really likes it a lot. Um. Oh yeah, it's so funny. So <laughs> as you did that, uh, Mackenzie came home with uh, our son, and then. He was, he's been screaming basically outside for the last 10 minutes, but now they're upstairs and she turned on the TV and we're just like, okay. <laughs> uh, so I think we, I dodged a bullet. Or how's he doing? How's, uh, he's he great. Amen's great. He's got this great. weird little, he's got this little stuffed animal. That's like a monster with two heads. And uh, he's about to watch Pete the cat. He's in a great place. He had ice cream earlier. This is one all, day when he asked. Day. Yeah. Chocolate. He wants to, he wants the audience to know he had chocolate ice cream. Very nice. Thank you. He uh well he knows dad's home so yeah all rules out the window yeah I mean so anyway well so yes you have to yes the industry has changed as far as like sending yourself tapes but also I just you know get these opportunities like I also am a big believer in like replicating the setting of a professional audition as much as possible it'll help like just get the nerves out and like because as much as you prep i've always gotten clammy and like nervous before going into the room it's just it's you never really shake it uh so the more i can like create a rehearsal setting that's as similar to the actual audition or performance the better and more comfortable i feel so i've 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 invested to make that time more valuable uh just on the acting side and on the writing side i i I guess to get to move out outward a little bit as far as our planning so we have the kind of small scale carve out the time you need etc etc to work on your projects etc and but as far as planning like a film planning the web series planning anything else that on the macro level that has posed its own issues you know because both of us have children now we don't live in the same city we're sort of close but to get together and do like adult ed the production of that was across i mean speak about imperative we finally started we i wrote it uh when Mackenzie was like five months pregnant and like two months later we were like rolling I think she was maybe gonna, gonna, we were kind of in the red zone when she might have given birth. Well, she was filming nine months pregnant. She is fully pregnant in that first season, you know? So I was, I was really in a state of like, I know the next six months or year, I'm gonna be going dark. I'm gonna be full dad. I need to like get this done out. <laughs> yeah. And get but also, out. I mean, that's also a good thing to know is that like the, that type of uh, pressure on you. Oh man, I've talked to so many people who've had that similar thing. Like the bird, the baby was due and it was coming and like we, we made it happen. Right. Um, so that was, but that again, but that we had to grab, I think we grabbed two weekends to film it because everyone works. And season two was also just shot over, I think four days and two weekends, you know, I mean, because you, you have a job you uh have to be there for your son you can't just be gone for a a luxurious 10-day week shoot in new york uh on no budget really so we gotta we gotta make do 
Right. I mean, it, well, and I guess that's the thing is I think people, I think one of the things is like you can underestimate how much, or well, actually I would say, I think at times you can overestimate how much time do you actually need and how much money do you actually need to make something. Mm-hmm. Like I think that stops people. I think I also just think it's easy for people, including, and when I say people, I mean myself, because you and I go through this too, is there's, there's so many times where we're trying to figure out the schedule or are we going to do this project or not get stopped by other things than the project itself. Sure. It's just very easy to come up with like, why should I not do this? Or why am I not ready to do this? Or why, what, what do we actually have the time to do this correctly? No, you never know if you have enough time to do it correctly. There's times where you, I think you could have two months to film something. And I mean, there's a lot of movies that come out that, you know, they, they filmed over six months and it's a disaster. You know, and there's a lot of things where I'm like, yeah, there's short films that get into Sundance that they filmed over the course of like 12 hours, right? Like, yeah, it, it, it that happens. Um, uh, you're in a little bit of a staticky yeah, I don't know area. To, I don't know what to do for you. I, 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 I don't, I don't have it. That's better. We're All right, I'll just stay right here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Are you like through a crawl space right now? Somewhere? No, I mean, it's just, it's just the house. I don't. Oh, but it's beautiful. Yeah, maybe you have ghosts. You probably have ghosts. Maybe. Upstate New York is filled filled with ghosts. I guess so. I guess so. There's nothing else up here, so I guess ghosts are like, there's a lot of real... There's darkness. There's a lot of real estate and sadness that we can just kind of inhabit. Oh, yeah, just pervasive gloom over the entire... Anything north of, really, I mean, Peekskill is kind of just shrouded in gloom for the last centuries, I think. Yeah, basically. Uh, Sorry, but you live there. I don't want to offend the place you live. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Um, Yeah, I, uh, I, I... And, you know, and we are in the process of... There's a feature I've been writing that sort of just finished its second draft, which has been great but that you know that was like uh, a good year of like writing over the span of like little 60 minutes <laughs> here and there but we've got a, a second draft now and now we're kind of in the beginning stages of thinking like what would that look like how would what kind of a shoot would that be would that be 16 days would it be right uh, a 12 what would it could it be sought for fifty thousand dollars maybe and if so then okay that like that sort of seems quasi attainable but but then what's the end goal? Then the question is always, what's the end goal? It's like, are you, yeah. are you costing the ability of playing a major festival or, or a true purchase, right? Like by, is that, is 25000 to $50,000 the difference between that happening? And, and I mean, the truth is you just, yeah. you just don't know. Like there's no yeah. definitive answer. I mean, the answer could be that you actually were a million dollars from it being a purchase. Movie. Right. You know? Right. Like, right. You have no right. concept. I mean, all I want to do, yeah. Well, I want to get more into the landscape of like the film market in like another episode. Sure. For sure because it's fascinating and ever changing and nobody knows anything. No. But it's a really evolving thing. I came from a meeting last night uh, at SAG-AFTRA, where we are discussing the new contract that's due every three years. They renegotiate the, the SAG-AFTRA theatrical contract, which basically means TV, film, streaming. Uh, so streaming is obviously, in every way, changed the entire game. And it's also really squeezed actors in a major way because residuals structure is completely almost out the window. Um, well, I think this plays. I actually think this plays on a larger economic level of what you're talking about with time because it's squeezed everybody. It's squeezed squeezed all creatives because yes. all the rights are being just bought on the front end. So there's no there's no back end of like, oh, if this gets into syndication, I'm set for you know the next couple of years, which then does eat up time because yeah. 
Yes. Oh, I'll yes. shoot a show. Like, like best yes. case scenario, I land a, a 20 episode show. Right. And I have the summers free if I want to like go sailing or if I want to shoot a feature or I have a passion project where now like the writers I know, like a show ends before the show even ends. They're desperately maneuvering to get onto a second show. Like it's yeah. just amazing to me. I'm like, you never used to have writers that were working on like, like the idea of trying to work on three to four shows in a year is insane. hundred percent. You know, there is, the, it, there's, not that this, you know, my wife and I talk about this a lot. There's a sense of feeling like, oh, the party's over. Uh, it's because not that like our lives have been a party for the decades I've been on earth, like pursuing this profession. But there's there's been cases where like you could do a job or a few that turn into that make your year or two all of a sudden. And then like, yes, you got to keep working, but you're not um, you're not sweating uh, week to week as much because of some sort of nice back end deal that the residuals had or whether it's a commercial or a, a series of some kind, you know, but, but yes, what's happening with the streamers is that they're describing it as a walled garden where these streamers, it just exists in one place forever. Like Netflix isn't going to sell their show to an FX affiliate in, you know, Seattle, they're just gonna, or to a foreign market, they're going to just keep playing it. Uh, right. their Netflix website. Well, and also in terms of what you're bringing up for the episode today, I think for anybody listening, it's really, I think what we're talking about when we bring up this, cause it's like, Oh wow, is this a tangent? I'm like, I, I would argue not because no, you're right. Well, you started by talking about like, I sometimes feel like I'm not working cause I have to go to a cafe and think for a little bit. And that's because art, right? Like capital A art takes time. Our understanding yeah. of content is that it does not. Right. content is ubiquitous content is created quickly and fast and constantly right and you even hear as people describe themselves or their work now the amount of times i hear students or even colleagues talk about like well i just have to make more content you know i'm, I'm, I'm creating as much content or i want to get paid for my content is i mean it's being dictated by the market but it's an interesting thing because like I, I see people who are really struggling and feel like crunched oh like i want to make things the best that they possibly can be but i need to make a living and those things don't match up in a way that i thought that they would or that i believe they used to it's like i have to make like 50 things this year to yeah. live a normal life that i feel like i used to be able to make like two things or three things this is yeah you're really touching on a major thing yeah you're getting deep which is great because i I was I was debriefing with you over text earlier about this meeting and how it was fascinating and the sort of concerns coming forward in this renegotiation with the union. And you're like, well, basically, everyone's going to have to be an actor, producer, writer. Like, that's just kind of where it's going. And that's essentially our narrative or my narrative personally, not to mention the fact that look at what we're doing right now. We're basically recording our weekly phone call to create content i mean this is this is not i mean i like this i really enjoyed these <laughs> chats it's not art it's a conversation no it's definitely not this art is, this is this is this is the very definition of content creation quick um quasi casual i mean this is content that's yeah it's not art <laughs> yeah but nonetheless we feel we need to make it to continue to be relevant in what what is a very noisy field right now Right. It feels very much in ways like, uh, do we, do you have to make a level of content to at some point get to make art or does everything just, yeah. I mean, content like devourable content is, a. it's, it's, I think it's the, the struggle that whether people are even identifying it or not is that artists are, 
artists specifically, I think, are going through in all yeah. media. Like, if you're a comic book creator, you're. I know comic book creators are feeling are feeling the same type of thing, especially as like film and TV comes in and buys up all their stuff. Because in that world, what's happening a lot is the content is getting bought by Hollywood, but a lot of those creators are getting left behind in the sense of like, they're not continuing on as executive producers or with any level of ownership in a show. So like, even if they're running a creator owned book for the most part, if they don't have really good reps, they don't have any kind of like weight. That means like you could see a show of theirs or a movie of theirs happen. And they're walking away with like 20 grand off of that as where everyone else is making six figures. Like, yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, we can talk about your situation down the line. We don't have to bring well, it up now. It's not just me. But... Like, there's there's bigger yeah. there's bigger creators than me. There's there's yeah. the writer I see all the time who my heart breaks every time I see on Twitter that one of his his comic books have been optioned because I know that because I constantly this is seven things picked up for Hollywood recently, and every time I read the the Hollywood Reporter the deadline response on it, he is not an executive producer on any of them. Mm. You know, and so well, it's I pretty, will, but it's a, right like it's just so where he's at is like he has to keep making comics as content because he's not making enough money off of the jackpot i will say yeah i mean i will say the sort of like vulture uh, mentality of hollywood doesn't seem like a, a new story but the fact that he has to make so much now per year to make back does seem like a part of the squeeze of the last five to ten years that streaming has done because just the numbers the payouts for an option or a, a purchase are just smaller and the back end, you're going to make off a resale to FX or, you know, or whatever, WB. This, this just not really going to exist anymore. So the back end you could make off an independent film just feels so much smaller because it's well, all just going to be in a walled garden like Amazon or Netflix. And also, know? as you're probably feeling as an actor, I would say it's very similar for some of the comic writers I know in the sense that yeah. the constant tr- treadmill of, or grind of creating content changes competition, right? Because it's not like this guy makes this, right? And then like the payday is huge. So he's like, I don't have to make seven comics this year. I'm going to focus on my one that I love because mm. I don't have to worry about money for my family. Right. Yeah. There's got to be some actors who are like, are landing like a Netflix show, but the Netflix show instead of being 22 episodes is eight. So they're sure. done earlier. Right. Yeah. They have a bigger name than some other people. And they're, they're back in the, in the field competing again immediately. That's the, that, that is what I mean by the party being over. You have to compete every three months, it feels like now. Like a, a staff writer would have to. Or if, you make a, if you're on a Netflix show, like you're probably booked out for six months, maybe. Maybe not even, five months. Right. And like, yeah, you can sort of bask in it for a minute, but you're probably walking away with a fraction of what you would have done on a network 10 years ago. And you got to like go back out and hunt for a job again, which, is, which I guess is okay because you can diversify your resume. You... It's, it's almost becoming more like a film career or a theater career television now. I mean, we're getting a little off topic, but I think it's very interesting. Well, no, but I, it is about... I don't think it's that off topic because it's, it, it's, man, it's manipulating I'm your time. It's manipulating your time because the market is manipulating your decisions. Because it's saying mm-hmm. for you to live, yes. you have to make this many things. Yes, right? Which you only, and you probably only have so much time. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's where I think yeah. it fits into time. I mean, we could probably, I mean, for people listening, no, but- going back to, I mean, that's a larger economic thing, but it does play into the micro in the sense of, I imagine a lot of people sit down and they're like, I only have enough time to even think about making this thing. And one of the things I think you probably wrestle with is like, does anybody want this thing? Which is really saying, like, is anyone going to buy this thing? Well, right? look like- at our conversations week to week are about 
what other thing can we throw on the plate right now? I mean, if we were right. a studio proper, we would be all of our time and resources would be going to fund a film that we've been developing for a year or something like that. Right. right? A right. film, a single film or to, or getting our television project to move from a studio to a network where we're now what do we have? i mean what what is our like calendar year look like in the google docs we have about like six different or seven different projects to try to align within 2020 right including this podcast and You're that's talking the, about starting that's a literary much- journal you know i mean yeah which is just interesting but it feels like we need to and i mean we also like to because a lot of this is look, it's, it's all online. It's a little user-friendly. It's a little more carefree than getting a printing press and creating a literary journal. Right. Like, so these things are a little easier made by technology, but we have to produce more because of technology, it feels like. So it's... Absolutely. It's a double-edged sword of both. Yes. Right? Like you, have, you have more access, but so does everybody else. 100%. Pools are, the pools are bigger. The attention is lower, right? So, yeah. And, and the money's drowning. The money's less because of it, too. The money is less. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I guess that, that does feel when you sit down for your, your, you know, 90 minutes while your son's watching a cartoon, you're like, what am I going to use these 90 minutes for? Like, I just keep continue the story I've been working on for a couple of months, but I feel like there's this other idea itching at me. Right. And so I would say like having a creative partner, you know, like you have been really helpful. A couple of other friends, just someone you're accountable to really does help just go break it down into movable parts, you know? Yeah. I think tribe always helps in that way. Right. It's like finding yeah. people who kind of get your work or at least have similar ambitions so that you can kind of just use each other for, you know, excitement in those down periods or the questioning times. Right. Where I mean, yeah. Like, many people like writers right. groups for this reason. I, I find them really, I don't like, them, I think they're but, the worst thing in the world. But, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I can say that they're great for some people. They just, they are, they've always driven me insane, but yeah, um, they're hard for me too. But yeah, I mean, how, how you judge and pick your time. I think the biggest thing is like people have been saying this forever. And I think it's almost more true now is that like, um, you know, it's so hard to get anything made. And I think if you throw in like time is so little when people are like, well, which is the project I should work on? Yeah. I think if you're not working on the project that you're completely in love with, you're probably wasting time, which is a mistake I've made. Like Matt knows for a fact, like. I went, I've gone down a dark uh, wormhole with a horror movie that I've been working on for now. It feels like years. It feels like two years, three years that I've been writing this thing. Yeah. Uh, something that started out of conversations at a studio and it was like, Oh, do I really want to do this? No, I think this is the way, but I do think this is the path in, right? Like I kind of talked myself into, I think this is the path in and this will be easier and it'll give me more time in the future. Yeah. And, um, you know, my wife actually put it in a really good way because I can get tricked by that. And I think we all can, right? It's like you meet with a gatekeeper and it's like, well, you know, what we're really looking for is like spiders, like giant spiders. And you're like, oh, maybe I could write something with giant spiders or, yeah. you know. And the thing is, as, as Jen said to me, she's like, you know, Sean, it doesn't cost these people anything to tell you that mm-hmm. this might be interesting to them. It costs mm-hmm. you a lot to go yeah. off and take all the time to develop it, put it together and bring it back and then have them go, you know, we're not, we're not interested in that. <laughs> or like, this isn't, this isn't what we thought it was going to be, or we do yeah. like that, but our entire mission of our company has changed in the period of time it took you to write. Oh it. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, or five spider movies came out that none of us knew was going to happen, you know, or any, any million abilities. Yeah. So I think the bigger thing is like, you, you kind of have to just work on, 
the thing that's itching at your brain and going like, I have to exist. Yeah. Like I have to have you make me. And to, yeah, to kind of circle back to the whole parent thing. I, I, I feel this acutely. I don't know. I'm not sure if you do, but I, I sense you do look, I mean, we have children now we have to provide. There's like a, a necessity for money to do so at the same time. Like, yes, if you're in a creative endeavor and getting paid to do it, that, that's great. But if you're sort of like slavishly, finishing a task whether it's in the arts or insurance sales um there's that's just that's just uh dispiriting that just will kind of like hurt you a little bit and like and in the long run i think of like as a model for someone who i want my son to be whether he's in the arts or not like i I want him to know that i did what i loved i want him to kind of be around people who who whether it made no money or you know was a major success i want him to see that time was spent uh doing something with care for a project one loved like because i just think that's one also is a good way to be Uh, also if you don't if you don't it fucks up your non-work time i can speak of that oh yeah just just personally you know like i I definitely had a hit i mean as part of our move out here is i had a hit um you know whatever i guess a come to god moment or whatever they call it in that um, I'd hit a point where like I had accomplished everything I really set out to accomplish. And I was like, I'm kind of miserable. Like, like yeah. I'm, I'm working at a job right now that I thought was a dream job. And like all the parts of it are just eating away my time. And when I'm home, I'm just kind of annoyed and more easily agitated, which is making even that relaxing family time, not fun for anybody. And so like, yeah. It just becomes that moment where you're like, yeah, I'm doing this because I think I have to. And it, it's it's actually just making things harder. It's making everything more difficult than I want it to be. Right. Because we got into this to not have a real job. You yeah. Know? yeah that's <laughs> to right. not do something adhering to a boss who t- says you have to, like, you know, put these uh, put these pegs into holes. You have to you're, you're here to do things that are or you you've chosen to do things that are just not that. And so why, why, yeah, why kind of become an employee of a boss, uh, the, the general idea of a boss you have of like, what, what is hot now? What property or what spider movie is, is the thing to make, you know? And I think that's also though, and it also gets into like, cause I know there's times like I'll meet with other artists and actors and it's also good to remember that, that like you did choose this to not have a, 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 typical job because there can also get into the like hours and days and weeks and months of just like fretting or complaining about the career you choose i see a lot of people do this too right where it's like ah being an actor being a writer it's so hard like no one understands and like in a lot of ways that's true and in a lot of ways that's bullshit like Mm. i mean i think it's a, a better use of your time instead of going down like what's the dark pathways that i've been wrestling with I'd ra- I think it's better to be like, I'd rather use this time making something I'd mm-hmm. rather, like instead of me bitching or complaining about like, you know, the, the, the streaming as in, and it's so unfair. And now I was already not making a lot now I'm making less going like, well, I guess if I'm going to make more, I'm literally going to have to make it from the ground up. Yeah. Right. Like the, I guess you and I were texting about this morning. Like, I don't know if I was, I don't know if that was really reassuring because as you were mentioning to me, I was like, you're like, yeah, it's, they're, they're saying that if the party might be over. And I just think I just kept texting you like, the party is over. They have to wake up. The party's done. Like, we weren't <laughs> invited to the party and it's mm-hmm. over. So, like, we got to go off and do something else because history does not 
revert. It doesn't go backwards. Like mm-hmm. Netflix isn't going to suddenly go like, hey, we got $3 billion of debt, but we do realize the residuals is kind of unfair. Like that's not going to mm-hmm. happen. I mean, yeah. I mean, people have to like use a lot of things from their toolbox now. It does feel like to, to make to make it as an artist now, you know, of course, there's there's many exceptions to that. But um, it's important to be resourceful now, it feels like, and to kind of think outside of specialties, you, you know, I, I mean, that that seems to me to be a, a life lesson. Yeah, um, I think I think definitely. so. And then it is a level of finding like where where is time and how do you create the space? What are those hours? You know, where is time? Where is time? where is time? <laughs> I mean, it's funny with a kid. I definitely realized the time that I I didn't. Uh, that I did waste at periods. But I also think about like before grad school, there was a point where like I was pretty financially destitute and I wanted to be a writer so badly. And mm-hmm. I was living in Philly in a bad relationship and I'm working at Marathon Grill and I would just write the entire time I was at the job on the back of my receipts. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. finding, sure. just finding even those little moments. Yeah. Like something my my wife and I wrestle with is like, I'm more selfish than her. Maybe this is a bad version of it, but like there's times where like Jen doesn't want to do anything poorly. Like even stuff that she's like, I don't want to do this and I shouldn't have to do this for some other job where I'm a bigger believer. And I'm like, there's certain things that I'm like, this is not as valuable to me. So it gets 50%. And then there's Mm -hmm. other stuff that's more valuable to me. And so it gets a hundred. And I kind of have to, equate that as I'm going through things and going like I can do 50 and everyone's going to be happy and still get what I promised they were going to get but this one over mm-hmm. here like it, for it to really work I have to devote more time oh yeah I mean that's just about yeah priority is yeah prioritizing is a, is a certain measure of time absolutely um on that note my son's crying in the <laughs> other room well, I yeah. think we should say congratulations to you. Anybody who's listening to this might not know. Matt's on TV like five days a week now at your house. Like, no, it's really well, not in, true. You're in For Life on ABC, right? Yeah, I, I've, uh, I have a recurring role on uh, For Life, an ABC show. And I'm in a few episodes of this new show, Tommy, on CBS. Pretty uh, amazing. Like, pretty great, yeah, no, it, pretty it, great it, winter for you. Yeah, it was a busy fall. And now it's kind of nice to see fruits of the labor on screen yeah it's cool thanks yeah so i will i strongly recommend both shows uh it's really cool to to see Edie falco in a kind of network drama thing it's an amazing cast and um for life which i kind of was more enmeshed in over the course of the fall feels like a very very special show too on abc uh about isaac wright jr who was quickly he was uh sent away for life in prison for uh, drug dealing but the fact of the matter is he was railroaded and while in prison he then gets his law degree remotely and while fighting his own case to get out of prison helps wrap fellow prisoners in with him i play the the deputy of the warden on the show uh and uh yeah it's just it was it's an awesome project i mean the the word seems to be really good about it and uh yeah that's cool. So thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice of you. Um, yeah, you're on a TV show too now. You're, uh, you're, uh, what? A, no, I'm yeah, just... it's a suicide prevention show. Yes. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the negative. I'm the, I'm what they show is like the negative option. You just, you and yeah, you and your son just sort of take you on tours of upstate New York churches. <laughs>